Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Last Guys Off the Bench. We're entitled this our lost podcast because we recorded this next podcast about like a month ago, maybe Every three March, weeks. Yeah. Um, it was Darcy and I with our good friend and Spurs basketball guru, Ron Aranda. This is a great podcast, focused a ton on the Spurs. We let Juan really dive deep on his Spurs knowledge and Spurs background and some of like just some great stories that he has of being a Spurs fan growing up. Life came at us quick and we didn't get this episode up, but it's good enough and worth listening to, so we're putting it up now. Hope you enjoy it. Also tune in to our newest pod, which was recorded today, April 13th, um, talking about the playoffs. Went through all the first round matchups in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Uh, we got a little heated with the Warriors and we talked about who we thought was going to win the NBA Finals. So give both a listen and thanks for following Last Guys Off the Bench. So we are here with our uh, good friend and resident Spurs expert, Juan Aranda. Juan, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? Doing good. How about you guys? Pretty good, man. Thanks for coming on. We're, ha- we're excited to have you. Let's kill it. We're excited to talk some Spurs. And, and not uh, Sixers just, and Wizards. Not Sixers and Wizards for once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a couple questions for you. We're going to get a little background on your Spurs experience and life with San Antonio. Because Texas is a big fucking state. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it is. We're curious, man. How did you end up uh, rooting for the Spurs? Like, walk us through your fandom history. Why the Spurs, not Naz Rockets? Why not Phoenix or another team like that? Why not the Sixers? Obviously. Because they suck. <laughs> Just kidding. No, those were the AI days. Those are pretty cool. <laughs> so, surprisingly, my first memories as a basketball fan uh, were actually with White Chocolate. Uh, what's Kings his name? White Chocolate? Jason yeah, Williams. Jason Williams. Yeah, he was nasty. My, he was my favorite player as a yeah. kid. And it was, it was just because he would make these ridiculous passes. So he was my favorite player growing up, like very young, like four or five years old. The Spurs came along. Uh, my dad was always a big fan, so I just grew up watching the Spurs. My fav- like my first real memory was of David Robinson and Tim Duncan holding up the trophies in 2003. I was like six back then. And ever since then, I mean, I'm really a Spurs fan just because my dad chose the Spurs over the Mavs or the Rockets, even though we're closer to Phoenix than all of them. I don't know. It's that Sean Elliott vibe, right? Yeah. He really just pushed you over the top. He really did. Yeah. You were like, yeah, damn, Sean Those Elliott Sean... looks good in 2003. He was hurting. But... <laughs> Those highlights, man. <laughs> Speaking of the Spurs, they're kind of on a skid right now, right? And in, in the news, there's a lot of things going around with the Spurs right now, but people are talking about how they might miss the playoffs for the first time since 96-97 when they intentionally missed the playoffs after Robinson got hurt and Tim Duncan popped up into the lottery. Lucky Spurs, right? What do you think is going to happen? think they're going to pull it out and manage to make the playoffs? And what do you think they do when they get there? So if I'm honest, I'm purposely not checking the standings because every time they just keep lower and lower. I'm a little <laughs> scared, but I think they're going to do it. I think they'll be fine. Uh, they're about to play the Rockets, so that's probably another L. But it seems like after they get through this road skid, they might be able to pick up a couple wins at home and actually make it through. Dude, I think we'll be in the playoffs. This it's year. such a fucking cluster. So like it's literally it's, what's the what's the ten through three? three, three it's like through four 10, games. It's wild. I mean, every night the standings are changing for yeah. Western Conference. Eastern Conference is kind of similar in some ways too, but the Western Conference is just a shit show in the yeah. best way possible. It's awesome as a basketball fan. A lot of these teams are so mediocre, right? Like you, know, you got the Trailblazers. Trailblazers are third right now, right? Is that but still, they haven't played the mediocre though. So that actually yeah. leads into my next question. Well, and a lot of these other teams that are like fighting with the Spurs for a playoff spot, they've actually been surging a little bit, and they've been they've been winning games and moving upward in the standings. 
a team like the Jazz who are still outside of the standings, but they've still been like winning like eight of ten games and stuff. Like a lot of teams are streaking. Spurs are one of the few teams in that bunch to actually be falling down. Why do you think that kind of narrows out? Do you think they're just gonna pull through and be the same old Spurs and just kind of grind it out the wins or so I think that the main the main reason is their defense is lacking, and it's really hard to be like a really strong defensive team when you're riddled with injuries. I mean, anytime Aldrich is out, like it's impossible to pull off a win. I mean, sure. that's your two top players. So yeah, you like I automatically look at those as losses uh, in that column. But I think that because it's defense, it's easier to fix an offense. So they might be able to like get back on track but that's the problem is that their defense has been horrendous they've never been like a super amazing offensive team especially without Kawhi this whole season so it just depends on whether or not they can get back on track and it seems like they're getting better and better like they're not skating as much but their opponents have been really difficult right now they're all playoff contenders so yeah yeah they're, they're competing really well but who's who's their best player when Aldridge is out it's it's a different guy every night. That's yeah. the problem. I mean, most nights it's Manu, and yeah. like as a Spurs fan all my life, that's amazing. <laughs> like, oh, Manu's still pulling it, but realistically, I hate to see the ball in Manu's hands with two minutes left, and yeah. like he has to make a play. Or you know, recently it's been Kyle Anderson, and Kyle Anderson's one of my favorite young players ever since sure. he joined the Spurs. But I also don't want to have to be relying on Kyle Anderson to create his own shot when there's 20 seconds left on the clock. Yeah, well, he's not built to make create his own shot. He's built to make other players better and right. to be able to do a little bit of everything. He's a seven, seven, and seven kind of guy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like he shouldn't. Like he's not the guy to get you a clutch bucket, and yeah. it has to come down to that. Or you know, sometimes you have Bryn Forbes. Like that happened against the Warriors recently, where the guy played five minutes all game, and he's pretty <laughs> clutch. But you can't expect him to make the clutch bucket when he hasn't played all game. Exactly. So it's yeah. tough. What do you think? Do you think Pop will start playing him a little more? Because he's the one player I think that has a little more potential that's sitting on the bench that they're not utilizing. So I'm pretty surprised by that. Uh, so I've been watching them all season. And Bryn Forbes, I think, is by far their best young player when it comes to the players that have been in the league for two years. They have yeah. like four of those guys. But I think the problem is that he might be the best now, but they're trying to build DeJounte Murray to be the guy of the for future. Sure. So you have this problem where I think Bryn Forbes is better than DeJounte yeah. Murray, but... They need to give those minutes to DeJounte because he needs to, at this point, take over for Tony Parker, who's yeah. not cut to be like an elite point guard anymore. So I think that's the problem. I'm hoping he makes it into the playoff rotation, you know, with a little bit more consistency. Sure. Because that's where you're going to need some, like, firepower. Yeah. Well, I think he's capable of that. And I, I mean, he's, he's shown it in stretches and those in five-minute clips where I, I agree with you. I think he's better than DeJounte Murray right now. And they're developing Murray because he has a better body. Right, and he has a better upside because of that body, and he has right. that long wingspan. He can handle the ball a little better than Forbes can, but Forbes is like that perfect microwave guy. If they can actually push him into a, he's not nearly as good a passer as like Manu is, but I mean, they do they have, kind of they do have Danny Green in that role right now, though. As yeah, but well. Danny Green can't but create Danny, a shot. Like Danny Green, yeah, Danny Green is a three and D type of guy. Okay. He's li- he created like, the three and D. <laughs> like, <laughs> he really like, did. Like I feel like that wasn't a term. It was not, and like literally, he fits that to a T. Like he can't do right. anything else. Yeah, no you know, offense to Danny Green. No, like, he's a Danny great player, Green, but he catches and shoots, and he plays yeah. some defense, and that's it. Right, that's the important part. That he's a catch and shoot guy. Like yeah. set him a screen, and he doesn't need that much room to get off the shot. Or like sure. if you give him the ball in transition, he'll pop up for the three. Yeah, and he hits him at a pretty good clip. But the difference is, Bryn Forbes can like catch that pass and not shoot immediately like he can go off the dribble he can do a lot more things he can yeah. create a shot and the problem is that yeah he's a microwave but you still need to give him more than five minutes Absolutely. a game no, no. He, yeah i think he needs that opportunity yeah but no Brent forbes is a scorer 
Okay. Right. He's not. Yeah. I think that's important. Right. That's the important like, he's, he doesn't just shoot threes. He's we, a scorer. He can make a shot. Look, we can't look at him like Danny Green because no, he's, okay, he's, he's a shooter. Uh, well, he can't defend the way Danny Green can. That's why yeah, he's on right. The floor. And I think that's why. Yeah, exactly. You know, Pop cares about defense more than anything, and he just the problem is that Dejounte Murray is a tall point guard, yeah. very lanky, like long arms, and that's really good for defense. And Bryn Forbes is a small <laughs> shooting guard, yep. so he's kind of useless in that sense. Not yeah. useless, but he can't defend at the same level. And the problem is that he he's the size of a point guard, but doesn't play like one. Yeah, but that's okay in this in this current league. That's the way it's going, and I think. I mean, I see but him taking. I think I see him taking Patty Mills's minutes. I feel like lack of size though isn't how the league is like trending. The league is going towards two point guards starting in each five five person team. Yeah, but that that two guard position though is starting to more slowly. Bryn Forbes become... is six three. He's the same height as uh, Steph Curry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's not like tiny. He's not five foot. Five okay. eleven. That's fair. Right. Yeah, but he's like he's six fair. three. You can't expect him to play at the two and guard Clay Thompson though. Is the problem? No. So you need to make up for but that. But he could start next to Murray. I mean, yeah. maybe. Or he comes off the, I think right, he comes right. off the bench. Right, right, so if but. you, like, he doesn't need to start, right, but. Um, he needs more he, minutes. He does need more minutes. I don't know what his minutes are right now. So let's, let's pull it up. He's, he's got 20 minutes a game. I think he, okay. could, he could do another five or six. So the problem is that he's fallen out of the rotation right yeah. now. So in the beginning, he was he's playing a lot of minutes. 25, 26. Right, and, and right now he's been playing like 15, seven minutes yeah. a game. And it, oh it kind of sucks. Like, against the Warriors, uh, they're in it all game. And I checked, like, Bryn Forbes, they couldn't get a bucket towards the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. They're in all game. And then Bryn Forbes checks in for, like, three minutes and mm-hmm. scores, like, seven points immediately, just yeah. like that, and gets them back in the game. Yep. I guess. And I don't know. I hope he makes the rotation for the playoffs. At that, at this point, that's the problem with the Spurs is that so many injuries, you don't know who's going to be on, like, on that actual roster come yeah. playoff time if they make the playoffs. You really don't know who's going to make the like the rotation who's not. Yeah. Right now, Pop said that they needed a lot of stuff off. Like, they needed the first team to like create a lot of offense, the first unit. For sure. So they put Danny Green on the bench, and then they have Patty Mills starting at the two, speaking of having two point guards yeah. start. And it's interesting, though, because you lack a lot of size, mm-hmm. and you have players that can move around, but you don't have it like a... You don't have the same defense... And even if Patty Mills is there, he can generate offense, but he's not a distributor. So it's yeah. a little awkward. I don't see it as like a... He's a smaller version of Bryn Forbes. More effective. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But his shot's been off lately, and that's yeah. rough. That, I think that's hard with shooters is that mm-hmm. Patty Mills, has his shot has been off all year. But, you know, you have always trusted him to get you a bucket. Like, at what point do you actually go with the fact that he's on a cold streak? Or, like, yeah. you know that he's always been there for you. So it's, it's a tough game to play there. And well, I think Pop is still trusting him, despite the fact that he's not making anything. Sure. Well, I think any other team at this point would have been like, you know what? We're calling maybe it quits. It's, maybe it's not worth it's we should compete for a playoff spot, but not at the extent or not at the expense of some of our younger guys like a Forbes, like a Murray. Uh-huh. We should focus on playing them with some of our veterans and seeing seeing what happens. And Pop has clearly taken the opposite approach in that we're playing to win every game, which I really respect, but it is kinda it does lead to that question where at the expense of your younger players being developed on a nightly basis, mm-hmm. is it worth getting to the playoffs and losing to the Rockets or Warriors in the first round? So I do I do want to have a little playoff discussion here. We haven't really talked about Kawhi yet, though. So I want to talk about the playoffs in this context, assuming that the Spurs make it without Kawhi. Okay. So this next question, no Kawhi, Spurs in the playoffs. Is there a team they can even beat in the first round if they don't have Kawhi on that team? Oh, like, yeah. What's, what's, what's an ideal matchup for the Spurs in the first round without Kawhi? For sure. So I would say anyone that's not Warriors Rockets, I think okay. they can easily take them mm-hmm. if like they get their 
like their shit together. Especially in a seven game series. Right, right. So the the good thing about the Spurs is that this, is that they're sliding right now, but I do not doubt that they could beat like the Trailblazers or uh-huh. the only team that I would be a little scared of is the Jazz if they make it in, simply because they can match the defensive intensity. Yeah. And they like a slow paced game, which is how we beat teams, right? Like get you out of your rhythm, mm-hmm. let's play a slow game uh-huh. and the game's ours usually. Yep. But if you have a team that's like, no, like we like to play the same way, even though I think that the Spurs have like a deeper roster in general, that's a little, that would be the only team that I'm scared of. I think that Anthony Davis um, (laughs) would also be a scary matchup, but I think that that's all that team has. I don't Mm -hmm. think that Drew Holiday could actually put off like a spectacular playoff performance for four out of seven games. And I think that Aldridge and Gasol could tire Davis out. Like he couldn't put up 40 points a game. Which is what that team would need for them to pull out a series. Yeah. So that's fair. I'm really like the only other. Obviously, I would not want to face the Warriors or the Rockets without Kawhi. Yeah. But any of the other teams, I could see us making it to the second round, and that would be a successful season mm-hmm. without Kawhi. Even against again, still without Kawhi. Even against like the Thunder and Minnesota and some teams that are in like the four or five range in the standings. Right. So I think that um, uh, like the Thunder can be pretty inconsistent. Yeah. Um, if you can stop. Westbrook from one of two things, either like distributing <laughs> or scoring. Get a triple double. <laughs> right, right. He, I mean, he can put up those numbers, right? But if he does it, like if he does it at an ineffective rate, mm-hmm. yeah, then we're okay, right? So if he puts up twenty five points, but he's shooting twenty five shots, which <laughs> happens possible. a lot, right? Yeah. Then you're then you're like you're in for a game, and I think the Spurs can do that. So mm-hmm. they don't have enough guys to be able to stop all of their big three, right? But at this point, Carmelo Anthony is just a spot-up shooter. Mm-hmm. and An effective spot-up shooter. That's another right. discussion. But You'd rather have Danny Green. Yep. Yeah, no, for sure. So all like if you can have DeJounte Murray at, like, be able to somehow contain at least part of Westbrook's game, and then you have Danny Green to try to stop Paul George, I think that that team would make it a tighter series than you think. Okay. I think that on paper they obviously have all of their star talent. But that's what's beautiful about the Spurs is, like, they work within a system that, you know, mm-hmm. you have guys that you probably haven't heard of unless you're like me and that's all you do <laughs> that are going to, like, put up a decent performance, right? Kyle Anderson has been tremendous this year on defense. Yeah. Like, no one expected that. He's always been a slow defender. And on year four, it finally seems like he learned how to use that, not necessarily to his advantage, but how to work around it, you know? Mm-hmm. He's fit into the system. Like, he has that like defensive IQ to be able to right. succeed on that end of the ball. And he's so took, long and so big. Yeah, yeah, and it took four years to develop because he didn't know how to use his size, you know, yeah. in favor as opposed to like against. Because he's always been a slow. Uh, I mean, his nickname coming out of college was slow mo. So <laughs> still is. Yeah, like he's been. He's <laughs> incredibly slow, but it's amazing. Amazing, sorry, how he can maneuver with and without the ball. So he's finally learned to use it on the defensive end. Yeah, I, th- I honestly think that they could beat anybody but the Rockets and Warriors. With their current team, just because of a sep- what happens in a seven game series, the way the game slows down a little bit, yeah, and right. the way coaching has such a huge impact on the game. I think that's important. I think that um, these teams might be better on paper, but in a seven game series where you're seeing the game back, the same team back to back to back to back, yeah. there's a lot of chess that's going on within like the coaching teams, and I think that pops one of the best, right? Like if I mean he's he. I would like to believe set the trend of actually making lineup adjustments and actual game strategies that change game to game in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you didn't see before teams changing their lineup from game two to game three, mm-hmm. and then that's like all Pop does, right? Well, and so many of their guys are so interchangeable that he can do that really easily with that team. Right, they right, have right. ten guys who can who are legitimate NBA players who can really play. Yeah, you know, I think that roster death 
I mean, Bertans is fucking nasty. Bertans. He's the Sadoransky of our time. Yo, uh, over under on how many times we can mention Bertans on the rest of this podcast. Okay, well, at least like, Yeah, can we set the number of 10? <laughs> All right, we can okay. easily get 10. Okay, cool. All right, so we had that non-Kawhi playoff discussion. Now I want to kind of vamp into a little bit about Kawhi himself for a little bit. Okay. Tell us about where Kawhi is right now. Obviously, there are a lot of like long-term like future implications with his current status, but for right now, for this season, like, what are you hearing about Kawhi? Is he going to come back? What are your sources telling yeah, you? Yeah, what are your sources saying? Well, actually, it's funny you mention that. So my sources are telling me that, um, <laughs> this is what my sources have been told, unfortunately I can't disclose them, um, <laughs> that he might actually be back in time on Thursday to play against the Pelicans. That'd be dope. More than that, you're hearing that he actually would like to be a spur. And that the development, like, he was in contact with everyone while he was in New York. I don't know if you heard about that, that he was rehabilitating in New York on his own without the team. Can you break like, that down a little bit for us, for the listeners? For the listeners <laughs> in on what exactly this hiatus has been like for Kawhi. Sure, sure. So, again, this is all from my sources. Um, <laughs> so, apparently what happened was that, and the team has basically confirmed this, that Kawhi was cleared to play, but... He didn't feel comfortable playing. Now, nonetheless, they gave it a roll and he, he they gave it a shot, sorry, and then they, they played those nine games. Yep. And after that, he said he still didn't feel comfortable. He was still playing through pain. So they shut him down. And no one knew why. And it turns out it's because that's what he wanted. And I think that people are making too much of a deal about how this is putting a strain. I think that the Spurs are handling this like he's their superstar, right? Like the same way that everyone knows that Cleveland will do anything for LeBron James, anything that he wants. I think the Spurs are in that same position where, like, this is our guy for the foreseeable future, hopefully uh-huh. for his entire career. If he's, sell- if he's telling you, hey, like, I understand that you don't know what's up, but it hurts to play, of course they're going to be like, all right, like, sit down. Mm-hmm. You know, they're thinking long term. Yeah. They want him to play. They know that they need him to succeed, but they... Well, it's January, February, so, like, nothing else is... There's nothing else to talk about, right? Yeah, right. So they got to bring they have to make up. something up. Yeah. So it turns out that he went to New York for three weeks. Uh-huh. He sought a second and third opinion. And all of them told him that, I mean, he just needs to work through it and, like, try to play through it and see what happens, how it develops, because it hasn't necessarily gotten better on its own. And uh, the whole tension was that supposedly he did that, like, without the Spurs knowing, and he did it away from everyone. Turns out that the Spurs actually had people with him while he was there, and that he, Kawhi himself, said that he was in contact with Pop every day while he was gone. And then he came back, and now he's practicing with the team. So all this was overblown. This entire story that was, like... Basically discussed, like Dr. said, for all of January and February was basically not really anything and was... Right, right. And even if it was, I mean, obviously Kawhi is like mature enough to keep it under wraps, right? Yeah. You know? So there's it's possible that there was tension, but it's also possible that, you know, it there was nothing. And even if yeah. there was tension, like both the Spurs and Kawhi aren't going to say anything about it. You saw that with the Aldridge tension from last year, right? Yeah. There were all these reports and Aldridge said everything's fine. And the Spurs said everything's fine. And then at the end, after they fixed everything, they were like, you know what? You were actually kind of right. I asked for a trade, but they both hand, like both sides handled that really well. Yeah, I mean, the professionally. Spurs, yeah, the Spurs were one of the few teams in the league that could probably actually handle those things well yeah. without there being leaks and without there being just this crazy overblow of what's yeah. going on on the inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, just props to the Spurs. Absolutely. Props to you being a fan and like not having to deal with a lot of the shit that other teams and other fans have to deal with as a fan base. Anytime there's a Spurs Woj report, I'm like, what the fuck? But <laughs> <laughs> well, you're getting it first, right? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. right. Uh, DMs. Uh, Me and Woj you... keep in contact. <laughs> you and Sham, Woj, all you guys. Yeah. 
It's a group conversation. I hear it first, yeah. and then you guys get the Bleacher Report. Yeah. <laughs> I do like, want. Okay, I approve it. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder how much of um, just like the news around the league with other players and like injury issues. I think like players like Isaiah Thomas, who really got fucked in Boston with the training staff kind of misdiagnosing him, and then simultaneously getting just as fucked in Cleveland and like coming back too soon really not being able to perform well. Like, that was an injury situation that was handled super poorly, and I wonder how much Kawhi, as a professional, as a guy who, like, wants to keep his career intact, has seen that and been like, you know what, that's why I'm going to take this slow, because there have been too many guys who have kind of just not done this properly and have really been tarnished because of it. Mm-hmm. Right, I think that that Isaiah Thomas situation had a lot of influence on what Kawhi did. More than people think, I mean... You really haven't seen a lot of like reports tying the two together, but I think that Kawhi saw what happens if you try to return from something before you're ready. How like teams are looking like for their best interests as opposed to the players. Yeah. So yeah. he went out of his way to be like, "Hey, I understand that you want me to play, but I kind of need to take care of myself." Now the difference is the Spurs. Besides the fact that Boston very very clearly did not want. Isaiah Thomas to be their franchise player, and the Spurs do want Kawhi Leonard to be their franchise <laughs> player. I think the Spurs do have like do show more of an interest in their players than most teams do. That's why you see them rest for more games than they need to. Why they're very cautious. Well, they were, and they were the first teams to start resting their stars in right, the regular season, know? right? Like that's they started that trend even before guys like LeBron and like all these other all stars started doing it. Right, they did it years ago. I think that people forget that. So Tim Duncan retired when he was thirty nine. Uh, or he might, he actually had just turned 40. And Pop started resting him when he was like 31, yeah. right? That's when they saw the minutes reduction. And, you know, at 31, it probably doesn't do anything, right? But you notice, like, you reap those benefits at Years 37, yeah, 38, yeah. when he's still able to, like, put up numbers. Uh-huh. So I think that that shows that they do have an interest in the player. They know he's their star guy. They're going to give him his space. If he says he's not ready, then they have to respect that, and I think that's what they did. I don't think that they were angry at him. Obviously, they want him to play, but they also have like a mutual interest in having him play for years to come. What happens if Kawhi comes back? We so, talked about their, their, their playoff chances without Kawhi. So what are their chances in the playoffs if they have Kawhi on that team, playing actively, full minutes, all that stuff? And if he's back Thursday, there's... 13 or 14 games that he gets to participate in before the playoffs, and then some games in the playoffs that he gets to play in. So one thing that's sad to say is that they need 13 more wins to be able to reach 50 wins again. Okay. And that's out the window. Uh, the 20 straight seasons with a winning record at home, at a, sorry, a winning record away is also out the window. Mm-hmm. So I think that they'll for sure make the playoffs. So they, I think they have like 14 games left. Mm-hmm. I could see them, without Kawhi, winning half. With Kawhi, winning 10, which is enough to, for sure, like lock it in. If they're only winning half of their games from here it's on out, tight. it'll be really tight. Yeah. Uh, it's a little scary. I mean, so they're currently half a game up on the Clippers. They're also half a game down. Oh, and they're a game down from Minnesota, Oklahoma. Yeah. God, it's so tight. Yeah. You can't even try to guess what's going to happen with these teams because they, things change so quickly. So, do you think that, uh, obviously without Kawhi, you know, facing Houston or Golden State in the first round, like, automatic elimination, I could see us winning maybe one game, but that's it. If we're lucky, probably get swept. Yeah. If the Spurs fall so low, that even if Kawhi comes back, and he's playing, he's healthy, and we're stuck still playing Houston or Golden State first round, 
do they then become scared of the Spurs? Like, if Houston has to face San Antonio with Kawhi first round, are they a little worried of, like, what's to come? With Kawhi? With Kawhi. Absolutely. They lost him last year. I think that, obviously, I would want more games for Kawhi to get into 100%, right? I would like a first round easier matchup. But there's something to say about falling to 7th, falling to 8th. Yeah. Hitting Houston, hitting Golden State. Early and hard. Early, full Mm -hmm. throttle. Also... Kawhi kind of, playing kind of unknown to those teams as well. Like those yeah. teams don't have a lot of time to study up on Kawhi this year. Like they don't necessarily right, right. know what's so, going to be thrown at them. I mean, you don't like what's beautiful about Pop is that his schemes for so usually you have teams that have like you know preseason they run certain things that they're never going to run again. Yeah. But they're and then they like go to the regular season and what you see in the regular season is pretty relatively the same to the schemes they're going to run in the uh, playoffs. Pop is notorious. For not doing that. So you'll watch him against good teams, and he'll run one play one time. And if it works, he won't run it the rest of the game. So I have this one example. We're going to go back a little bit. So this is when Boban was still on the team. Boban Marjanovic. This was two years last ago. Last Neanderthal. The last Neanderthal in the NBA. <laughs> Damn. I miss that guy. <laughs> So the, they were playing the Warriors, right? Uh, back then, they were playing the Warriors towards the back end of the season. Mm-hmm. And it was like a highly anticipated game, you know, possible Western Conference uh, championship. Um, what's it called? Matchup? There yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And Pop runs this one play where he has Marjanovic set a screen for Parker. And, like, that's not... Usually, they're not playing on the, like, on the court at the same time. So they ran it once, and this play... I don't remember exactly what happened. I just remember that it was a high screen with Marjanovic, and it, like, worked to perfection. And he ran it, like, in the second quarter, and then for the rest of the game, they never ran it again, right? Like, if they scored on this play, you would think, like, oh, well, like, let's try it again, right? Yeah. So that's one of those examples where you can clearly tell he runs one play, sees how it works, and then just stashes it away. Yeah. So this, when you think about playoffs with Kawhi, there has to be certain plays that are drawn up for Kawhi. Yeah. That not, like, not only has another team never seen, but, like, they haven't actually been able to run themselves for either. Sure. So I think there's there's something to say about how much he could have under his sleeve yeah. if that situation happens. Well, on a Kyle Anderson, Kawhi pick and roll, that could be kind of fun. That could work, Big right? Pick and roll. I mean, yeah. it's like a even a Dante Murray and a Kawhi oh, pick and roll fun. type thing. That'd yeah. be awesome yeah, too. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I just uh, I think what the only unfortunate thing that we won't see improvement in is that the last thing that um, Kawhi needed to do for his game was develop like a better distribution system. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't know really know how to distribute. And I think that we're still not going to see that because he didn't get to play sure. all year. So. But some of the best thing, some of the best opportunities to develop that distribution pattern is when you get to sit and watch a lot of film. Mm-hmm. So he's been able to watch this team all year without him. Right, right. And he's probably been able to watch a lot of film on himself. There's probably so a lot that he's you pick up a lot of court awareness yeah. when you're like that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, when he gets integrated back in, he's able to kind of take a step back and see what this team needs and doesn't need at certain situations. Yeah, definitely. He, yeah. He's that kind of superstar, though, too, right? I mean, he's just. He's he's not like a just over he's not over consumed with his own glory and stuff like yeah. Kawhi is the least superstar superstar that we've ever seen in the league before. He's a team player, and if anyone can kind of take that time, take his injury time to kind of review things and come back better than before, it's a guy like Kawhi, right? For sure. I think that something that's important is it's not that he didn't pass because he wanted to score. It's because the Spurs for the past two years. Have needed him to score, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one expected Kawhi, not even Pop, expect... I mean, he said it. He didn't expect Kawhi to develop the way he has. 
But now it's come to the point where, like, if he's having an MVP type season, like, no one's gonna, you know, put a leash on that. Why would you? Like, exactly. You should, that'd right? be that'd be dumb. If he's scoring team. thirty points and he's leading you to victory every time. Yeah. I mean, that's like when uh, what was the, it? Might have been last year, two years ago, when he was playing the Grizzlies, and he just like went off. He was doing everything. Like, oh, they lost the yeah, game. yeah. They lost the game, but and he scored he just, like, like going points. crazy right, against right. them. And he was doing everything on defense and offense. Like, yeah, I mean, the only he was reason efficient Kobe. The only reason we won that game was because Gasol, like Marc Gasol, not Pau Gasol, <laughs> yeah. hit this ridiculous yeah. three-point buzzer beater from like 30 feet. Yeah, It was insane. That game was nuts. Right, no, but that's exactly my point, you know? If Kawhi is just doing everything and he's scoring at a super efficient clip, like you're not going to tell him to pass because yeah. you have more benefit from him shooting. For sure. It's going to be an exciting thing to look forward to. Obviously, yeah. there are a lot of storylines heading into this Western Conference playoff race. Eastern Conference as well. But, again, the West is stacked. 3-10 through yeah. 10 is a wild, wild ride right now. But I think the I think the Spurs are still kind of one of the just key teams to watch above others because there's just so many questions and no one's going to know. They're unknown. It's, it's interesting, right? Usually, this late into the season, a team, a team starts skidding, and you're usually counting them out. Yeah. But because it's the Spurs and every other team is on the rise, they're still saying, hey, they're probably going to be in there. Yeah. You know? Fortunately, they just need to win like about half of their games. So I think they'll be in there. I don't know what seed yet, but they'll be in there. Fingers are crossed. I hope so. It, wouldn't, it, it, would, it would be weird not having the Spurs in the playoffs, right? Yeah. That's a staple of the NBA right now. It has been for 20 years. I'd much rather see them than the Clippers. Exactly. <laughs> or the Jazz. Well, yeah, I'd rather see them than the Jazz. Don't hit on the Jazz. The Jazz would get swept. I don't think so. 100% they, they, think they, so. They'd win a game. 100% They'd win a game. Did they beat the Rockets or the Warriors? I don't think so. No, Ricky Rubio. I mean, they'd no. win a game. They'd win a game. I don't think they'd win a game. All right, so do you have some kind of future Spurs questions to ask you here? Let's do it. Uh, laid out the playoffs, laid out this year, but past this season, there are a lot of, a lot of other question marks for this team. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Tony Parker. Do they re-sign Tony Parker after this year? Oh, Absolutely. Um, so Tony Parker's made good money, okay. Um, but it's it's his turn to come off of a, a veteran's minimum salary, right? So Manu had a few years where he's done that. They recently paid him well, just like as an as a respect thing. Uh, Timmy had a lot of years where he was making five million dollars. Tony's been making good money. It's his turn to take that minimum salary. So he'll come back. He doesn't want to play anywhere else, but he knows he's gonna come. He's gonna have to come back for cheap. Yeah, and his cap hit right now is fifteen million. You gotta imagine that they're right. gonna say. That's pretty I mean, good. If he doesn't tough. come back on a minimum, they're not he's not coming back. Well, so he's been earning fifteen million for like the past five time. years. Yeah, yeah. Uh he signed a really big contract. He like, did. It was when he was thirty two or thirty one. It was team friendly, mm-hmm. but at the same time it was very friendly to Tony Parker because you don't see a thirty five year old point guard making fifteen million. So it yeah. was good for both sides. But I think both sides know he's gonna be coming at five million or less. Yeah. Right. That was Timmy's salary for like the past five years. It oh, was, Chris uh, Paul's looking in the mirror right now. <laughs> yeah. Rockets fans, honestly, look in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. This is what you get to look forward and to. His Chris is, Paul's already yeah, thirty-two, like, right? His is fifteen million, right? You know yeah. that Chris Paul's salary he's when he's max. thirty-five is going to be like twenty-eight, it's be thirty-five. It's going to be one of the worst contracts in the Ooh. league. Yep. Just, <laughs> it doesn't get better when you're that like when you're a point guard like that. Yeah. And it sucks because he's still putting up decent numbers. Right. I would say that he's. Very good for his age, Talk but at the Parker same time, he's efficient. No, no, no. He's efficient. Paul, no, Chris, uh, sorry, sorry, Parker. Parker, Parker. Okay. Chris yeah. Paul, still an amazing point guard. Yeah, Tony Parker, thirty-five. He's good for his age, but you just can't. 
you know, it pains me to say it. Can't, right. Yeah. 20 good minutes. And, and if you keep him to 15 and he gets to the playoffs, that's when you can kind of unleash him a little bit. Yeah, exactly. 25 minutes. That's Whoa! What, big, I mean, that's a lot of minutes, though. It's big <laughs> minutes. That's what happened last year. Yeah. He, they, like, all season he really didn't play that much, and then come the playoffs, he turned it up a notch, and he was killing it. It was... It was him and Leonard more than it was Aldridge and Leonard, and uh-huh. that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Tony well, Parker and Kawhi killing it. Does that say more about Aldridge, though, at the time? I think it says a lot about both. Unfortunately, age comes in because he tore his like his whole <laughs> leg, apparently. <Yeah. laughs> so, that's, it's that Should boundary where you can, you can reserve him, but there's only yeah. so much he can exert before his body starts to wear sure. out. But he's a lot smarter now. I think that's important. He... He's made the transition that Manu had to make, which was just like my body can't keep up with my mind, so I have mm-hmm. to figure out to like yeah. play smarter as opposed you to. You gotta harder. take the angles differently. But he comes back on a cheap deal, but he comes back. Cool. How about um Danny Green? He is on a player option for next year. At ten million. Um, ten million dollars, same as his cap hit for this year. Does he opt out? Does he opt in? What happens with him? What do the Spurs try to do? So there aren't there isn't any word on this at all because Danny Green doesn't matter enough for people to look into this. But <laughs> I think he one hundred percent opts in. So there's two reasons uh, why. You think he opts in? Right. So all there's right. two reasons why. The first is he loves playing with the Spurs. He said that many times when he got this contract. He was afraid that the Spurs were going to let him go. That they didn't want to resign him, even though it was super team friendly. Mm-hmm. And two, the money's dried up. Right. So That's he's going to get ten million. His performance this season hasn't been what it has been in the past two years so i think that if he were to opt out and think of exploring other options he wouldn't make the same money sure and and i I could see him opting out with the spurs like with them doing it together and being like give me three years 30 million right i was saying cap it but i mean but the the cap scenario in the league right now again it does not bode well for players like danny green who might be trying to explore some options to make money i mean Everything, the cap space is so dried up ever since the cap explosion uh, two years ago. Um, and even, we talked about this before, but a guy like Lou Williams, who is like a, basically a near all-star this right. year, he just signed a deal for uh, three years, $24 million, yeah. right? And if Lou Williams is only going to get $8 million a year, Danny Green's not going to get more than that. Right, I don't think anyone expected Lou Williams to get $8 million a year. Even with this like cap space right now situation, I thought that he would have gotten ten million. So yeah, I think he, but I think Lou Williams took for whatever reason he thinks he has um, some sort of <laughs> security. Yeah, but, yeah, but mm-hmm. it's bullshit because he doesn't have a trade clause in there, so he's probably getting traded next year anyways because they're going to try and unload right, contracts. Right. So I don't know why he did that because I think he could have got close to twelve million. And I think there's still eight teams out there that are going to have a lot of cap room that could throw some money. I don't think he, Danny Green would get much more than this. I don't think that the only way Danny Green I, I'd rather have Danny out. Green than Lou Williams. I mean, whoa, whoa. Well, whoa. it depends. Okay. Lou Williams plays no defense. I was going to say, if like, like... Zero defense. If you believe in the principle that you need defense to win, then absolutely. Yeah, which every normal basketball <laughs> fan does. Why no, would you no, want Lou Williams no, over Danny Every Green? smart basketball fan does. Right. I wouldn't go with every normal basketball fan. That's fair. That's but, why Josh is thinking about it. <laughs> Yo, I just... Whatever, I'm this one. <laughs> I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. I'm not taking the bait. No, no, you'd rather have Lou Williams? I want to hear why. Louis was a spark plug. Okay. Yeah, but okay. So at, at, at his best position, he's a six man. Yeah. There's a reason why he's a six man. Yeah. Right. Yes. You would think that. So you'd rather have him than Danny Green. It de- it depends on t- there's there's so many it depends on team construction. Yeah. If you it have a good team, on... you want Danny Green. If, if I was, team, you want Lou Williams. That's true. 
That's true. All right, whatever. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Well, do you think there's a reason why Lou Williams hasn't been on like a really good team, or when he has been, he's been traded? It's because he is a sixth man, and he's also he's been a top scorer in the league, but has yeah. also had super tradable contract, expiring contracts. A lot of that, it, so a lot of that, a lot of that goes into things outside of the game that he is playing. Sure. All right, let's take a vote. Danny Green, and Lou Williams, <laughs> Darcy, go. I'm so I'm going Danny Green, but. Not because I... If Lou Williams and Danny Green played one-on-one, I'd go <laughs> no, Lou for Williams. Your team, for your team. But I'm going Danny Green for my team. Josh? <sighs> if I'm a Wizards fan right now. <laughs> you um, are a Wizards fan right now. <laughs> so, based on what... I would go with... I don't know. Man, it, now you got me fumbling. You got me, like, coming back with my words now. All right, three it's votes tough. for Danny Green. Let's go. <laughs> but I would say... Okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall back, though. Because if the Sixers were going to go after one of them, I'd probably rather have Lou Williams in this situation. Really? But yeah. wouldn't you, assuming that J.J. Redick doesn't come back, like, wouldn't you need... Then I'd rather have Danny Green. See, but, but so, so let me say this. You said that if you're a good team, you would want Danny Green. If you're a bad team, you would want Lou Williams. I would want Lou Williams starting. I could have Danny but Green starting. If you think of if you think of all the top teams in the league right now, I'm, I'm lumping in, like, I'm thinking of guys like uh, Boston Celtics and the Rockets and just some, some of those top three, four teams in the league. Going into the trade deadline talking about what deals these guys would make, these teams would make, they were all going for players like Lou Williams and not players like Danny Green. That's because there aren't any Danny Greens on the trade block. So, for example... Lou Williams is always available. Boston, (laughs) I think Boston would favor Lou Williams simply because they they don't have anybody to create a shot. They They need someone to score. best second player creating shots. For example, Houston... Was is built around three and D guys, right? So if they could get Danny Green, they would get him in a heartbeat. Okay. They would give up a first round pick for Danny Green. They oh, wouldn't and he's still and he's still worth it for uh, the Rockets at least, right? Well, especially any, any three and D player, any top three and D player is going to be worth a first round pick in this league right now. But is it also interesting that we're saying three and D players are so valuable, but we're saying Danny Green wouldn't make as much money? <laughs> well, no, well, I think no. He, I think he's going to make more than. Lou Williams, because Lou Williams took a discount. Gotcha. Because he thought he was getting security. I still don't think he has security. Yeah, no, his no. contract's so good. He's always going to live on different teams. That's his contract's so life. good. Like, it's a great contract for the team. He got, he's undervalued right now. <laughs> I'm going to move on now. All right. um, <laughs> let's talk about Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay is also in a player option. Uh, this year's cap hit is like $8.4 million. Next year, it's basically the same at $8.8 million. Uh, Juan, do you think he opts in? Do you think the team really tries to engage him to keep him there? What's what's the future? I think he opts in for two reasons. Uh, first is that he was an injury for a long time, so he didn't really get a chance to prove himself. He hasn't in any way increased his value. Um, and that's just because he had another problem with his foot. It wasn't the same injury, which is a good sign. Yeah. But I think that he hasn't played enough to re- be able to command more money anywhere else or with the Spurs. And second... Because as a general like statement, the Spurs haven't been the Spurs all year, right? So he signed with the Spurs to have that sort of championship mentality. To be that, a Spur. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what he wanted, to be a Spur. And you don't even have to define that. Everyone knows what that means. Yep. But because Kawhi was injured, because everyone's been injured, he hasn't had that opportunity. So I think he ups in. They tell him, hey, just opt in. Like You get one more year. You're going to have more playing time. The Spurs are probably going to actually be contenders next year. So I think that he opts in just to get that opportunity. If he plays well and he gets a lot of minutes and is not riddled with injuries, he'll probably be able to command the same money, or if not more, once that contract is over. And after that, he probably leaves. Rudy Gay's been playing great this year, too, for, considering that he came off an Achilles heel. Well, he came back Achilles. super soon, right? Like, like his, his recovery time was yeah. way shorter than everyone thought it would That's be. It's usually like Re- a year, and he got he got in in like nine months, reminds right? me, Yeah, it reminds me of uh, not nearly as effective, but 
because he wasn't as good, Dominique Wilkins. Like Dominique Wilkins, he came back from his Achilles tear in 94-95 and like had an all-star year, right? Mm -hmm. And because he was way better than Rudy Gay was. But <clears throat> Rudy Gay has come back and has been pretty effective, has been playing relatively well, and yeah, he's missed some games for some other things because his body's overcompensating. But I'd imagine that in a lesser role that is backing up Kawhi, he's going to be able to put up some really good numbers. Pretty at efficient a, numbers, right, too. At a decent cap hit. So, yeah, yeah. Something you've noticed with Rudy Gay, though, is that, you know, right now he's coming back from injury, so his minutes aren't that, like, aren't that big. But he's also another spark plug, right? He's probably the only guy, besides Aldridge, who can create his own shot on this team, right? It's just yeah. him, and he's the only one on the second unit. The problem is that he's not getting those minutes because they're watching, making sure that he doesn't re-injure himself right before yeah. the playoffs. And I think he's important because when Aldridge gets a double team, which is all the time now because he's the only person that can score on his own, Yeah, they need like they need to have him on the court with Aldridge because he's the only guy that Aldridge can pass to and do something. Right now you see where Aldridge gets a double team and he kind of freezes up, passes the ball, and then the team loses like the possession because they don't do anything else with whatever's left on the shot clock. Yeah. So I think he's important, and he knows he's important because he can he can score on his own, right? You give him the ball, there's 10 seconds left, he'll get you a bucket. For sure. How about some of these uh, kind of lower-tier players, quote-unquote lower-tier players, that's some smaller cap hits uh, with some expiring contracts. Oh, We've talked about them already, yeah, but Bryn Forbes, Davis Bertans, DeJounte Murray, sorry, scratch DeJounte Murray, but Bryn Forbes, Davis Bertans, Kyle, Kyle Anderson. Anderson, Kyle Anderson. Where do these guys end up? So I think... It's hard, because I think there, there's three of them, and they're going to have to pick one. Okay. And I don't know which one they're going to go with. You'd think it would be Murray, right? With just how they've played out this season, with how they've been given minutes. and. No, well, Murray, Murray is still in contract. Yeah. Why do um, I keep doing that? Yeah, sorry. So, it's Brent Forbes, <laughs> Davis Bertans, and Kyle Anderson. Fair. All three are going to be free agents next year. you think year. they pick Joffrey one? Laverne, because he's definitely not going to pick up his option, right? They always get a center. Like, they always get a big at the end mm -hmm. who didn't get signed anywhere else. Give him a two-year deal knowing that he's not going to pick up his option and he's going to go elsewhere. So there's yeah. technically four. There's no way in hell they're going to sign Joffrey Laverne again. Okay. So they have to pick between Davis Bertans, Bryn Forbes, and Kyle Anderson. Now, as a fan, my favorite of the three is Kyle Anderson, so I kind of want them to pick him. But I wouldn't be surprised if they pick Bryn Forbes, mm. simply because of how good he is with the shot. Now, Kyle Anderson fits the system a little bit more. He's an all-around guy. But with... Rudy Gay, and with Kawhi Leonard, they're deep enough on, on the three and four position. So I think they might go with Forbes. Uh, I think with Bertans, he's got a killer shot. He's a stretch four, stretch five, which is exactly what you need in this day's NBA. But I don't think that his defense is good enough for Pop to say that it's yeah. worth it. He can shoot the three, but his defense is too inconsistent. For he could find so. another Bertans. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. With this In this day and age, you just go to Europe, you'll find him everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I think that it's between Anderson and Forbes. They're, they don't have the money to get both unless both of them are willing to give up a lot of money, which I don't think they are. They're very young. Yeah. I think that they go Forbes. I wish. I hope they go uh, Anderson. So we're going to go into a, um, a little segment we want to call Tip of the Tongue. It's um, basically, Juan, we're going to be asking you some rapid-fire questions here and emphasis on rapid-fire because we all have a tendency to just like keep talking and talking and talking. Done a lot of that today. So... <laughs> <laughs> We've got like six, seven questions here for you. Gonna go through them quick. Favorite Spur of all time? Tim Duncan. Easy. <laughs> Best Spurs memory? 
So I was at the game, uh, Game 5, 2014, when they won the championship. Oh, shit, That's nice. probably the best memory of my life. That's dope. <laughs> Sorry to my future wife. Our wedding's going to be second. <laughs> my kids, you guys are also going to be, like, your birth is going to be below watching them win the title. But it's all right. Easy. Yeah. Favorite Mane moment? Ooh, that one's tough. Um, I think I'm going to go with him swatting down the bat midair. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that. There's a bat in the AT&T yeah, yeah. Center. Oh, yeah, that's right. He swatted it down, grabbed it, and gave it to animal control. That's awesome. (laughs) You don't see too much of that. It's kind of like in baseball where they hit birds. Yeah. Sometimes, like, really, really. Also, why is there a bat in San Antonio? Why not? Better all-time spur, Kawhi or George Gervin? Ooh, that's tough. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kawhi hasn't had as much of a repertoire, per se, but he's won a chip, and I think I'm going to go Kawhi. Wow, you're going to go Kawhi now. That's bold. Right? I like it. Assuming he's like a yeah yeah all time yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, David Robinson or Tim Duncan in a one on one game at uh, the peak of their power so like we're talking ninety four ninety five David Robinson and what two thousand three yeah, 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 like yeah Timmy yeah. ooh I'm gonna go Timmy um, yeah. so there's a lot of evidence that Timmy would destroy David Robinson as a rookie one on one they would do it all the time in practice mm-hmm. uh, David Robinson was kind of weak for his size I think yeah. he was like a really muscular really strong player but. Even though he was huge and he was a like a menace on the defense, he didn't have the body. Like he had the body, but for whatever reason, wasn't as strong as he should. He'd be a been. great modern day center. Right. He would destroy. He would destroy. He destroyed back then. He's probably so. You look at players like Shaq or Tim yeah. Duncan, right? Who people think wouldn't translate into today's NBA. He somehow was a killer back then and yeah. would still be a killer. He today. would translate. He would yeah. be like even yeah. better today. Absolutely. Which is saying a lot because he, probably he wouldn't was, be he was probably incredible. Right. He would have had the three. He probably wouldn't be like MVP, like, you know, how he, like MVP yeah. caliber, how he was well, then. But, but yeah, he would still he's play. A, he's a beast. Anyway, I'd go Timmy. David Robinson had a lot of finesse, but he was more of a brute guy. And yeah. Timmy, like, no one can stop Timmy on the block. Uh, Bruce Bowen. Dirty? <laughs> Oof. No. <laughs> no? No. What about, like, last two years, Bruce Bowen? Um, <laughs> things got a little chippy with the Suns. <laughs> Roger Bell were like the dirtiest players. Well, not dirty, I wouldn't even say dirty. They played the hardest. Like, so <laughs> I think that something that's important is that Bruce Bowen is also like an all-time defender, right? Yeah. I he's the best defender of all time. Some would say he's dirty. Well, no, I mean you could see like so. There's a different. Okay, so you got you have a guy like Zaza Pachulia who sucks, right? And the only time he makes national headlines is when he's dirty. Yeah. And then you have a guy like Bruce Bowen who was probably like always giving the guy that was in front of him a hard time, right? Yeah. And occasionally you would be like, okay, he went too far. So I don't think that he was dirty. I think that he just took defending sometimes too seriously. Bruce Bowen played the part he needed to play. He was that guy who would like, if you're like playing at the Y, he's like slightly holding on to your jersey, but nobody can see. <laughs> yeah. That's Bruce Bowen. <laughs> All right. Last question in this uh, tip the tongue segment. Favorite Popovich? Uh, asshole pop or nicer, more conversational pop as of late? Ooh, I'm gonna go with asshole pop. You gotta. You have to. You have to, right? Yeah. I think people are surprised by this new pop, but you have to go asshole pop. I feel like you'd give it to him in a conversation. Like if he was like, you know, buzz off. I feel like you'd give it right back. Really? I think you could. <laughs> That'd be fun. I believe in you. That'd be fun. That's <laughs> a dream. Can we? Um, can we? Uh, like crowdfund for like sending Juan to San Antonio <laughs> to like have a conversation with uh, Greg Popovich just to get it on camera and see how it goes That's all 10 cool. of you out there start sending us money you know what yeah. <laughs> damn um you guys have any more Spurs do I have any more Spurs stuff my first game ever so was uh, Magic versus uh, Mavs mm. when T-Mac was still on the Magic <clears throat> so we went to that Shit, game was that when Steve Nash was on the Mavs 
I think it was, <clears throat> it was after that. It was no, it was after because I'm pretty sure Steve. Yeah, no, it was after. So that was my first game, and we went to that game specifically because my brother's favorite player was T Mac. Like we were all Spurs fans, yeah. but my brother's favorite player was T Mac. Uh, T Mac, and on the Mavs, um, I don't know if you remember. I love Michael Finley, but yeah. no, Eduardo Nakera. He was the first Mexican I do know. player. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he was on the Mavs, right? And he was like a solid bench yeah. contributor at that point. He played was like, for a while. Yeah, he played, played for, for ten a, years. Yeah, and um, so he was, like, that's a long, that's a long NBA career, it's right? Good. It was good for him. So he was like, yeah. the, he was like, basketball was not that big. And what's more important is that it wasn't even that he was like a super big national hero. It was more so that he was like from our same state. Yeah. Um, just like a city like away from where we were, like where we were all born, mm-hmm. and where my parents grew up from. So we went to that game to be able to see both T-Mac and Eduardo Nakeda. And it's fucking hilarious because we made a poster, but we had, like, nosebleeds up here. Like, like we, like, the camera couldn't even catch it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, much less him. So we were saying, like, oh, from Chihuahua, like, we're here to support you. Yeah. And my brother made it. And it was, like, so stupid. And he was just, like, holding it, like, in front of him the whole time, like, on the chairs. You know what I mean? That's awesome, though. But it was yeah, so that's, cool. that's what it's about. That's cool. Yeah. It was a... Did we report that? Fun, yeah. Just put that at the end. <laughs> special Just a little bit of it. Special story time segment with Juan. Yeah. True. That was a good story. When, when he thought the, the mics were off. That was a good story. That's yeah, good. when he thought the mics were off. All right, Juan, you got anything left on the Spurs? Anything else you want to talk about before we move on? I mean, I could talk for hours, but I think it's <laughs> best for everyone. Right. We <laughs> mentioned Bertans too, one too many times, right, Josh? <laughs> Not enough, actually. Yeah, it's a shame. A little disappointed. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the Raptors, your Toronto Raptors, or the Drakes. The Drake. I know that, that's only you, Darcy. Yeah, no only no one says that. I mean, they're the Jalen Roses, I think. <laughs> Campaign champagne. Yeah, points. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the Raptors. We know they're having a great regular season. Sounds like another Raptors year. The past couple of years, they've been awesome in the regular season. So we want to kind of ignore the regular season um, or mention it in some ways. But let's talk about the playoffs. Who's showing up? Or is Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, are they going to show up in the playoffs? I like the Raptors. I've always thought they're a good duo, Lowry and DeRozan. I think that we've seen enough of Kyle Lowry to assume that he's not going to show up in the playoffs. And it just depends on how much DeMar DeRozan can step up from what he's already done this season come playoff time. For sure. I think we're definitely seeing a different DeMar DeRozan, right? Like, that guy has extended his range. He's, he he's a like legitimate he's... MVP candidate this year. And I so Top five MVP. I think that... I don't know that that's true, though, because the Raptors have the best record in the East, right? So theoretically, if he's putting up an MVP season the way that anyone else would be, he would be in that conversation. And I don't think it's like a small small market argument that he's not. I think that he just isn't at the same level to be as MVP, like the way that LeBron James or James Harden have. He's not talked... I don't think he's talked about in that I don't think he's... I don't think he's talked about enough, though. You're saying he should be. I'm saying he should be. I have a lot of respect for DeRozan. He started off the season on a tear, and he, right. he his numbers haven't sustained, and a lot of that has been because Toronto just hasn't needed him to sustain it, because they've had such a great all-around team, which maybe sure. also goes against my point of like him being like the normal pick. So maybe I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit, but I feel like DeMar DeRozan does have that next level to step up to in the playoffs, because like he, he's been stepping down, because he hasn't had to just play his ass off night in, night out. But in big moments, like, shit. What game did they play recently? It was, like, two or three nights ago. There was, like, they were playing the Clippers. And DeMar DeRozan, there was nine seconds left. He gets the ball in his hands, and the game is tied. And he just drives the ball down the court and 
dunks on somebody. I don't even remember his name because he was dunked so hard on that it was just like completely <laughs> irrelevant. Yeah. But like, Wesley it was. <laughs> it was. It was one of those. It was one of those plays that was like, wow, this guy is for real. He put the yeah. team on his back, and you could see in his face like he was just kind of not even reacting to what was around. He was just in his zone, and I feel like come playoff time, we can expect more of that from DeRozan. So I think that the distinction that you would probably want to make is that no one expected Demar DeRozan to have another level. We thought for the past two years that was peak DeRozan. Yeah. But we've seen that he can get better, and he did this year. Yep. And he st- like you said, he started off on a tear. He hasn't put up those same numbers for the rest of the season, so I think that's why he's not an MVP. I would think it's fair to say he's not like in the MVP conversation, and that's okay. But at the same time, he's gotten better in a way that no one thought that he could. I think where this team is going to have a hard time is, one, their mental toughness is going to be tested, right? Because the past couple of years... They've had some tough playoff losses. They're known as probably the chokers in the East right and now. Toronto doesn't want to hear that. Their fans don't want to hear it. And a lot of people are going to say that it's a different year, right? And that's true. But when you, once you get in that situation and you're playing against these teams, the same teams that you've lost to have either gotten swept by or have managed to get a win or two out of. Are you, are you ready to get past that, right? And what's nice right now is that Lowry has taken a step back, right? He's clearly, I don't know if it's because of age or just because of like the way they're doing their rotations and they have 10 people that I mean, Josh, you mentioned, where that their bench is the best in the NBA, right? Yep. Um, so their team is really deep. But in the playoffs, that your bench shortens. But it doesn't have to shorten, though. That's the thing. That's going to be the key for the Raptors. Like, <laughs> if the Raptors... Dwayne, sure. Dwayne Casey's come out and said that, like, come playoff time, he's going to see what these guys can do. He's not just going to... Take it down to a seven-man rotation just for yeah, shits yeah. and gigs because it's the playoffs. Uh, you yeah. shouldn't. You shouldn't. But what happens is those numbers for the bench units are going against somebody else's bench. So like when, you're, when the numbers against another that, that bench doesn't exist anymore. LeBron James is playing forty-two minutes instead of thirty minutes. But I do all changes. The 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 bench discrepancies also like all of the guys on that bench unit that like five-man top Toronto bench unit. All of them can interchangeably be placed into the starting lineup to better assist guys like Lowry and DeRozan. And that's not what they've had before. Before sure. the Toronto team, it has literally been DeRozan and Lowry. And that's it. Yeah. And Lowry's never shown up. And Lowry hasn't shown up. But this year, so this year, Lowry's usage rate is his lowest in seven years. But he's having his second and most, second most efficient shooting season of his career. And... I mean, I, I, I just, I hope, again, I'm a, I'm a Toronto believer at this point. We've had tons of conversations, and you guys have shit on me for, like, believing in Toronto. <laughs> right. But, but I, I think that the supporting cast around DeRozan and Lowry, in addition to the ability of, like, DeRozan to keep stepping it up and keep building upon this, like, next level season that he's had, really situates them in a place that, like, they can beat any team in the East. Well, I would also say that I'm a Toronto believer. Like, I believe Kyle Lowry will ruin it for Toronto. <laughs> and when it comes down to it, I think that, like, based on what I've seen, and it's one of those things where it's a new offense, you know, it's new, it's a new bench completely. They got rid of a lot of role players that people thought was going to, like, backfire on them, but ended up working in their favor. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, I don't know that I want to trust, put my trust in the new bench, as opposed to, like, what I've seen from Kyle Lowry. So... I mean, it's good that his usage rate is really is the lowest it's been in a really long time because I think that they need to... He's he's older than most people realize. What is he, 31, 32? He's up there. Um, I think he's older than most people actually 31. realize. He's 31. 
And he's at that age where you kind of have to slowly start, you know, getting, you know, giving him less of a role because he can't put up those numbers anymore. So I think it's good that he doesn't have the same amount of usage anymore because we don't want to give him that much space to choke in the playoffs. If he had the same amount of usage, then this would be, without a doubt, like the same Raptors team and the same results would occur in the playoffs. Right. Like, it's good that the Reigns have officially 100% been handed over to DeMar DeRozan as opposed to when they were, like, trading off before. Yeah. Well, I think you, uh, you... You've been saying it all along, Josh. It comes down to the bench. And does Dwayne Casey is Dwayne Casey willing to play them and stick with them when other teams are playing their starters? And is if, Dwayne Casey willing to play these five guys against Giannis, Jabari, Eric Bledsoe, John Henson? Well, fuck John Henson. The other the <laughs> well, other two guys they well, stick out there. <laughs> well, I think I think I think the key though the key though is again it's not it won't just be these five bench sure. guys against Giannis and like no, the no, starting no. lineup of the Bucks. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be Demar, it's gonna be Kyle Lowry, it's no, gonna be Jose Valnueva, it's gonna be it's gonna be Serge Ibaka, um, and then these guys are gonna be pieced in, right? And that's the that's the I think yeah. two of their guys are gonna lose their minutes, and that's for the Raptors huge, yeah. right? So I that's, think they, they have a, you can't it's just you can't just way. sub out. It's not hockey. You can't just like. Play ten. It's hard to play ten mm-hmm. guys. What what is the their tenth guys? They're all averaging eighteen to twenty minutes, mm-hmm. right? Until they get to their top three players who are averaging twenty seven, thirty two, and thirty four. Like, it's it's hard to. And it's not hard. just that. It's not just that. Like they need to play their bench less because the other team is going to be playing their starters. It's also taken into account that. I'm pretty sure Dwayne Casey is expecting to bump up the minutes of both Kyle Lowry and DeRozan. So right there sure, alone. You're already cutting minutes from the bench. Yeah. But, like, if we take a step back, though, I think the more serious question is, you know, if your question as a team is, can we rely on the bench, like, doesn't that show problems in the first place, right? Because these other teams don't necessarily have to rely on the bench the way that the Raptors do. So I think that's, like, the bigger issue. Well, that's an unanswerable question because we don't know if the Raptors need to rely on their bench. They just have the luxury of being able to. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that their starting lineup hasn't been super efficient and like hasn't been putting up great numbers all season you know what i mean yeah yeah a lot, a lot of this is like conjecture and just very unknown um that's true i'm just i'm a toronto believer and there have been so they obviously have choked over the past four or five years and they've obviously had great regular seasons um but this year just it just feels different they seem like a different team they've changed their team ideology right. um their coaching is they've just they've revamped everything and in the past in the NBA, you never really you never have it until you have it. There have been a lot of guys in this league who have come through and have lost and have lost and have yeah. lost and have been seen as not being clutch, but finally won. And that narrative was just like basically done. Like once you win, you've got it, right? Like that makes sense. I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to compare situations, but like uh, and, I don't think they've like, been on the brink of and, MJ. MJ in um like before his first three peak, he lost to the Pistons. That Bulls team lost to the Pistons three straight yeah, years. This isn't. DeMar DeRozan is an MJ. Well, no, right. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that, but, like, the narratives, like, people yeah, at that, people thought at that time they weren't sure if Michael yeah. Jordan could get over that hump, right? It, credit to Toronto for sticking with these guys. Credit to Dwayne Casey for sticking with the guys and changing the offense. No, I, I mean, think that's he deserves huge. some coach of the year nods. I it's think they could tough. beat their um, – I think they could win in the first round. I don't know if they'd win in the second round if they ended up playing. I think – it's pretty incredible that, you know, everyone was talking about the Celtics all season, and people still are, right? And without even, like, under everyone's nose, 
All of a sudden, Toronto now has the best record and is poised to be the team that can take down the Cavaliers without anyone realizing it. So it just really depends as to whether or not like the Raptors are going to turn back to the old Raptors that we knew or if they can keep this going. If Raptors get the one seed, if they stay in this one seed, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them in the conference finals for the East. I would. That's assuming. I, that, would, I would be surprised, but that's assuming that they would be the number one seed and would not have to play the Cavs. Assuming the Cavs stay up in the top gotcha. half of the East. Yeah, yeah I would not. I would not bet against LeBron. Like, yeah, I, yeah. but if if they don't, if, hit if the Toronto Cavs doesn't round. hit the Cavs second round, I think they can definitely beat Boston. Yeah. And I think the way to do that is to keep Kyle Lowry's usage rate low. So <laughs> I think that's the real secret answer to that. One. <laughs> I think the Wizards would be a tough out for the Raptors. I think the Raptors would be a tough matchup for any team in the East. They've given. Oh, I mean, I would. I think the Raptors would have a hard time with the Wizards. I was going the other way. Okay, fair. Um, I just think that is John Wall going to be like 100 percent by then? Like, yeah, I don't know. Well, he's back practicing. He's shooting again. Like he's. Yeah. But has it been the six weeks already? Six to eight, right? It's been. Like the, I think it's been five weeks at this point. He has like okay. a week left in that timeline, yeah. technically. Um, I know yeah. he's back at practice, so I just, just, the, just the individual matchups match up well. The team, I mean, Scotty Brooks is terrible. So dude, they just—I can't believe like to have such an outstanding backcourt in this day and age of the NBA, yep. and to not be able to do anything yeah. with it is incredible. Yeah, I, but I do mm. think if the Raptors got matched up against the Sixers, I like the Raptors just because of their big guys. Right, I think they, they, they can. They're stop. able to match up with Embiid. Kyrie. They're able to body up a little bit. They're able to give them a hard time. They're able to give Embiid a hard time when a lot of teams can't. Yeah. Um, I like that, but the Bucks matchup could be tough, but the Bucks just haven't been playing well all year, so you don't know what to expect from them unless they put Giannis at the five. I think it's a wrap. Raptor. Raptors. <laughs> I still don't like them, but we'll see. You know, I hope it works out for them. Well, guys, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, Juan, thank you so much for joining us today. For sure. Uh, we have to have you back on again in the future towards the end of this uh, playoff race. Uh, we can have you kind of recap where the Spurs ended up. Dive into the Western Conference. Always glad to join you guys whenever you guys want. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out. Mm. Later.